As long as I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. I will bless thee as long as I live. And in the shadow of your wings, I'll sing for joy. I bless you. today. What a privilege. What an honor just to lift up the name that is above every other name. And today we open up our hearts and our minds and every part of our beings. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would blow afresh, that you would move sovereignly like only you know how to do, that you would come into every home, every place, every workplace, every family, every situation. 
We thank you for the divine, supernatural intervention of God. And today, Lord, I thank you right now that even as your word comes, it comes to heal, it comes to restore, it comes to do whatever is necessary in the hearts and lives of people. And Lord, as always, we vow to give you all of the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Mark 3. I'm going to do part two of what I began last week. Of course, the sermon outline is available on the church app, and, and that's there for you. And, uh, and so uh, it, it's there for you, all right? We want you to be blessed. We want you to receive the Word. We want you to take in the Word. We want, we want the Word to do wonders in your life, and the Word does, and it will, all right? So Mark 3, chapter, Mark 3, verse 1, and he, Jesus, entered the synagogue again, and a man, could have been a woman, but it's a man, was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward, Amen feel like some of you this morning are going to step forward into something new. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them, Jesus was angry. He looked around at them with anger, all right, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out. He said to him, first of all, step forward. And then he said, stretch out. Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And the hand was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. So Jesus said to the man, step forward and then stretch out. Step forward and then stretch out. And that's where I came up with the title, Stretch Out. Amen. And I want to just recap and talk a little bit about our vision as the Durban Christian Center that is encapsulated in the word reap, reap, R-E-A-P. The R means we want to not reach for our toes, but we want to reach out, win the lost at any cost, that people might come to know God, all right? The E is once they saved, it's your and my job to disciple them, to ground them in the Word. And as the Word comes, as they grow, they find freedom. And then we want people to be switched on, as it were. We want to activate people in their giftings, in their ministries, in their callings. And, we, and in that way, we help them discover what their God-given purpose is, not just uh, on this earth, but in the church realm as well. And then, of course, we want people to be planted. When you're planted, we spoke a little bit about that in the pre-service or for the offering. Planted means, you know what, I have my giftings, I have my talents, I have my resources, and I was born again. I've become a child of God so that I can make a difference. You can make a difference, all right? I want you to know that irrespective of what they said, what your neighbors said, what your teachers said, now that you're a child of God, you can make a difference. And so really our reap vision, our heart for you as a church is that you would reap just some things, a little bit, 
just, 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 just for you to get saved and so that you can, by the scrape of your teeth, you know, make it to heaven. Is that, is that what we're about? Matt, is that what we're, we're no, reaping everything, everything that Jesus did for us on the cross, whether it's healing for our bodies, our mind, our souls, healing for our mullah as well, for our money, you know, financially, uh, every part of us, we want to reap everything, all right, that Jesus accomplished. So uh, we wanted to, st uh, to stress it. And then last week I mentioned to you, and I said that the cross redeems every part of us. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. The cross redeems every part of us, even your marriage, even relationships, even socially, even academically, even intellectually. And then I said that God, it's in the heart of God, family. It's in his heart for you. It's God's desire for you and me to reap all the benefits of the cross. Amen? We said that last week. And this man that came to the synagogue had a withered hand. He needed healing for his body. And it's what the cross does. The cross takes care of us in our spirits, in our soul, and in our body. Now, I want you to say these words after me. Those of you here, say after me, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me to redeem every part of me, spirit, soul, and body. Therefore, I will in this age, right now, reap every benefit of the cross and see the fulfillment of God's plans, God's purposes for my life. It is the will of God, the desire of God, and in the heart of God for me and my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Then last week I spoke to you about uh, that the word withered, the word withered means four things. It means, first of all, to completely dry up, no moisture, no liquid in there. It means to become completely paralyzed. It means to lose vitality, and it means to become useless, all right? Useless and fruitless, absolutely good for nothing. And I mentioned how that this COVID pandemic has in some ways brought with it a withering wind. And then I asked you the question, what is it that has withered in your life? What is it? What is it that has withered in your life? You know, I want to just tell you that God is so committed to healing and restoring every part of your withered life that verse 1 says that Jesus entered the synagogue again. He had been there before, but he came back a second time. I was kind of intrigued when I was just looking at Balaam. How many of you have heard of Balaam? Have you guys heard of Balaam? Of course, we always uh, we talk about him and the talking donkey. But Balaam was quite a you know it's quite a story that concerns Balaam. And the Bible says that when Balaam was summoned by King Balak, Balak was the king of the Moabites, and and basically ba Balak the king was looking down in the plain and he saw the whole multitude of the Israelites in the plain, and he began to tremble because he knew the God that they served, and he knew how God had delivered them and what God had done on their behalf. Family, that's how the world needs to look at the church, right? That's how the world needs to look at you, because you have a great God that's behind you. You got all of heaven behind you. If God before you, who can be against you? And so Balak was actually terrified. In Numbers 22, 
in verse 3, it says that now Moab was exceedingly afraid. Uh, and then it says he was sick with dread. Look at those words. And then in verse 4, he said to the elders of Midian, now this company, the Israelites, will lick up everything around us uh, so as, uh, as, as, a, as an ox licks up the grass of the field. That's what he said there. I mean, he was terrified. And then in verse 6, he says, therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. And so what he does is... King Balak calls Balaam, who was uh, a prophet, a sorcerer, and he says, I need you because I'm threatened by these people. I'm in dread of these people. I'm terrified by these people because of the God that they serve. Would you come and curse this people? And of course, the story goes that every time Balaam came to open his mouth to curse, instead of a curse, a blessing came out. Three times. Three times. And God said to Balaam, what are you doing, son? How can you curse what I have blessed? That's the intent of God for you and I. And then finally, in Numbers 24, it says there, verse 1, Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, now Balaam, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless the Mudley family, to bless the Funda Space, to bless the whatever, whatever family, whatever clan you come from, whatever tribe you come from, when, it, when he saw that it pleased the Lord to bless them, Verse 2, and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel and camped according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And then he begins to speak about these Israelites. Verse 5, he says, how lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters, that he shall pour water from the buckets and the seed shall be in many waters. And then verse 8, he ends by saying, he has a strength like a wild ox. You have a strength like a wild ox. Come on this morning. Hallelujah. You have a strength like a wild ox. Why? Because you've been anointed by God. You have the oil of the joy of gladness, not sadness, not badness, not madness, but you've been anointed with the oil of gladness. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. Your enemies are not your mother-in-law and the boss and the witch down the road. Your enemies is things like poverty, things like depression, things like discouragement, things like heaviness. Hallelujah. And then it says, he shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Listen, that's how much God loved Israel. And you and I, as the people of God, are now the Israel of God. It shows the very heart of God for us. Which brings me to my slide. God wants to bless you so much more than the enemy curse you. God wants to bless you so much more than the enemy wants to curse you. If you don't believe me, I'm going to give you some scriptures to back up what I've said. Look at Deuteronomy 5 and 33, God speaking to Moses. He said, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live. There's nothing withered about that, that you may live and that it may be well with you 
and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Hallelujah. And then look at verse uh, Psalm 92, which my, my wife read a while ago, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. There's nothing withering about that. I don't, I don't get any, anything, any notion that God wants us shriveled and withered and, and paralyzed and useless and fruitless. No, he shall grow, she shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Hallelujah. Even when you are old, you shall still bear fruit. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Hallelujah. Psalm 128, verse 2. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. Come on. Don't be afraid to work, young man. Don't be afraid to work. You shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house and your children like olive plants. That sounds like life, man. Look at Ezekiel 47 when he has the vision. Along the banks of the river on the side, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees. That's talking about, you know, that we're all kinds of people, all different personalities. We're all kinds of trees. And he says all kinds of trees... Uh, 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 used for food, their leaves will not wither. Nothing about your life shall wither in Jesus' name. Nothing about your finances shall wither in Jesus' name. And their fruit will not fail. I think I need my glasses. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. And if you're still not convinced, Revelation 22, verse 2, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed with the Spirit to be healing for the nations, healing for Durban, healing for South Africa. Hallelujah. So there is nothing whatsoever that tells us that it, it is the will of God for us to be withered and dried up and paralyzed and useless and fruitless. On the contrary, and here's my next slide, everything about the cross points to life. Everything about what Jesus did on the cross points to life. It's about you prospering internally and externally, inwardly and outwardly in Jesus' name. And so the Bible says that he goes back to the synagogue again. He might have to come back again to visit you because maybe there's a withered part of your life that, that needs healing. I don't know. But he'll come back again and again and again and again, however many times it's necessary for you to get your miracle. But notice that not everybody in the synagogue was happy that Jesus came back again. And not everybody will be happy that you have the faith to believe that even during this COVID, God has prospered you and caused you to flourish in every area of your life. It's interesting to see the hearts of the Pharisees and religious people. In verse 2, it says, So they watched him closely whether he would heal him. doesn't stop there. 
whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. They really weren't concerned about the condition of this man. They were worried about what Jesus was doing, in other words, to fulfill religious duty and religious obligation. Forget about the man who's sick, man. Forget about the man that's paralyzed. Forget about the man that's tormented. Forget about the man that is in pain and in sorrow. Forget about the love and compassion of God that is there ready to heal and meet the need of that person. And here's my next slide, that a religious spirit, a religious spirit will cause you to harden your heart towards God and the miraculous and the moving of the spirit and the supernatural. Come on, come on. There are many people that started in the Holy Ghost and they've taken on a hardened spirit. It's actually a religious spirit, if I can be honest. We become so refined and sophisticated that now we don't need the Holy Ghost. We don't need the miracles of God because I can't understand it, Pastor. Well, I mean, you know, your brain is only so big, man. Your brain is only so big. The top, top educated people tell us they don't know anything. And, and us with our limited brain, we think we know everything. But because we can't understand God, you know, we shut God out. But a religious spirit will cause you to harden your heart and cause you to lose sight of what the cross is all about. And you know, when I speak about a religious spirit, I'm not talking about religions of the world. I'm talking about a spirit that comes to anybody. Anybody. It can come to anybody. It can come to anybody. A religious spirit. I mean, it's wonderful when you're born again and you're in love with God. But how about now that you are 10 years serving God? Come on. Is he still as real now as he was back then? If not, you have a religious spirit. I don't mean to, you know, point and hurt anybody, and, but, but if the Holy Ghost is prodding you and stirring you, then let him do that. How about your love for him right now? Is it the same as what it was 10 years ago? How about your love for his presence? How about your love for his word? How about your love for the gathering together of the saints? If you don't want to gather together with the saints, maybe it's because your heart is hardened to the things of God and we become like the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were good at just going through the motions and putting on an outside show. Now I want to tell you, family, Christianity is not a show. It's not about how you pray and what you eat and what you wear and how much money you give. Christianity is all about the heart. And I want to ask you today, what is your heart really like? A religious spirit is designed to make you look like the real deal on the outside, but inside you are withered. Inside. You have a withered heart that has become hardened to the things of God and casual and flippant with the things of God. The man who had the withered hand, what I love about him was that there was still a hunger on the inside of him to meet God, to encounter. I mean, he was at the synagogue. He was expecting something to happen as he gathered together with the other believers in the church. His outward appearance was with it, but on the inside of him, he still had a hunger for the things of God. Let me tell you, I'd much rather have something withered on the outside, but have a heart that is open 
and responsive to the things of God than have everything cool seemingly on the outside, but inwardly I'm shut to the things of God. I'm shut to the move of God. Come on. Hallelujah. And Jesus said to the man in verse 3, Step forward. I need you to do something, Mr. Withered Man. I need you to step forward. Step forward means to rise up for the purpose of taking action. Come on, sometimes that's what you got to do. If you got to get out of that withered condition, step forward means to rise up, and not just to rise up, but to rise up for the purpose of taking some action. Hallelujah. And I hear the Lord saying, come on, I need you to rise up for the purpose of taking action. I need you to rise up so that you can awaken yourself from your sleep. Maybe your passivity, maybe your sluggishness, I don't know. I need you to take a step forward to rise up and stand in faith even when you're surrounded by pessimistic people and people that are naysayers and people that are trying to shut you down and telling you to pull back and to sit down and to keep quiet and to give up and to quit. I, I, I don't know what it is, but God says to you today, step forward in the midst of the chaos of your situation. Hallelujah. Come on, I don't, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Step forward, young man. Step forward, young lady. Step forward, man of God. Whoever you are, rise up in the midst of everyone round about you. Rise up in the midst of COVID, in the midst of recession, in the midst of depression, in the midst of darkness and chaos. Hallelujah. Rise up, rise up. When you step forward, it means that you are stepping up and out of what was holding you back. You're stepping forward. You're rising up and out of what was holding you back, what was hindering you, hindering maybe in your thinking. You're stepping up and out of old thinking, negative thinking. Some of you, I don't know, maybe it's people that you're hanging around about that you need to step up, rise up and out of those acquaintances that are shutting you down in the things of God. Step up and out of pessimism. Step out of, up, up and out of old identity and failure and I don't know, and despondency and dejection and disappointment. Whatever it is that is giving you that withered syndrome mentality. Come on, step up and step out in Jesus' name. You know, it takes the spirit of faith for you to rise up in the midst of darkness and chaos. That's why I love to preach about faith. People say, Pastor, you, you only speak about faith. Because we need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you'll never take a risk. If there's no risk, there's no reward. I mean, how else? If you fail, well, so what if you fail? Get up and you do it again. And if you fail again, get up and do it again in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But it takes the spirit of faith to rise up in the midst of darkness and chaos especially when everything inside of you doesn't want to. And everything in you will give you a thousand reasons why you shouldn't and why it won't work. And look at him. He's had to close shop. And look at them. They've been, you know, they've been retrenched and all kinds of stuff. But you stand in faith. Hallelujah. Then verse 4, he says to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill. But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger, 
being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. You see, stepping forward sometimes will cause you to confront the realities of your faith. What is it that you believe in? What is it that you believe in? Sometimes when you step forward, you are confronted with what your belief system is all about. It will force you to confront the realities of your faith, the realities of your walk with God, the realities of your relationship with God. In other words, is He the God of good or is He the God of evil? What kind of God is He to you? If He's the God of good, then is that a revelation to you personally? Is it a take-home for you? Is it a I-believe-it-and-that-settles-it-for-me reality? Hallelujah! Has it become indelibly etched upon the tablet of your heart? Come on. Our hearts are supposed to be overwhelmed with the love and goodness of God. That's what Jesus was upset about. He, he was trying to do good. He's the God of good. And the Pharisees, the very people that should have known, should have known that He's the God of love, they were hardened to the love. That wasn't a revelation to them. Come on in this place. He was angry because being grieved by the hardness. And then in verse 5, he says to the man, now that you've stepped forward and you've taken a reality check and you've discovered that I'm a good God who wants to do good things for you, now I need you, once you've stepped forward, I need you to stretch out. Bump your neighbor and say, stretch out. (laughs) Hallelujah. What does stretch out mean? It means to reach out with purpose and intentionality. It means to reach out, come on, with purpose and intentionality. And maybe everything in you might not want to, but stretch out nonetheless. Stretch out, come on. Open and surrender every part of you, every part of your life, every part of your marriage, every part of your business, every part of of your fight. Open it up and surrender every part of you to the divine supernatural intervention of God. Hallelujah. You know why God wants us to stretch out? Because when you stretch out and you extend and reach out, you are made aware of your inability and helplessness without God's intervention. And that's why we have to stretch out. (laughs) There are errors in my life. Man, if I don't stretch out, I'm not going to get God's help. I'm saying, God, no, I can't do it. I'm going to stretch out and rely on your strength, rely on your power, rely on your divine intervention. Hallelujah. Come on, family, this is a time when we step forward and we stretch out. We step into what God has for us, and when we do, God steps in. God will step into that marriage. God will step into that business. This is a time to position ourselves for miracles, for the divine intervention of God. You see, when you step out, what are you doing? You are working your faith. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to work your faith. Come on, work your faith. Don't work your fear. Don't work. There's a lot of fear out there. Don't work your fear. Don't work your doubts. Don't work your unbelief. Don't work your uh, opinions. That, that, those are matter. Work your faith. Work your faith. And when you work your faith, God supernaturally comes in to rescue you. Hallelujah. 
and he will raise you up. He will raise you up. When he came to that rich man's house, whose daughter was dead on the bed, come on, there was a divine supernatural intervention of God. He chased everybody that had unbelief and, and were cynical and, and were, were, were depressed and sorrowful and fearful. He chased them out. And then he said, little girl, I say to you, arise. Hallelujah. Come on, what does James 5 and 15 say? It says, and the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith. You talk about faith. You need faith, man. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him or her up. Hallelujah. That's why you've got to work your faith. When you work your faith, God steps up, and he raises you up. But here in Mark 3 and 5, he said, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says, he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Interesting that Mark didn't use the Greek word for healed, but he chose the word restored. And restored simply means to bring back to the original condition. That's what the word restored means. It means to bring back to bring back, when God restores you, He brings you back to His original mandate, His original purpose, His original plan that He had for you even before you were in your mother's womb. That's the plan of restoration. A car that is repaired is not restored. When you repair a car, all you're doing is you're fixing the damage, but the car has the damage. It's just nicely hidden. The car will never be the same again. But a car which is restored is one that has been remade just as it came from out of the factory. Can you see the difference? And I want to tell you that God doesn't only want to heal your withered condition, and He is a God that heals. He is a Jehovah, a Rapha, the Lord that heals. He doesn't only want to heal your withered condition. He much more wants to remake you. He much more wants to remake you. Hallelujah. I think that's wonderful. With every, every head bowed, every eye closed today in this place, wherever you are in, in those homes, watching right now, come on, come on. What part of your life is withered? What part of it is withered? What part of it is withered? Don't shy away from Take responsibility. Step forward. Hallelujah. When you step forward, you are confronted with the realities of your faith. Is he the God of good or is he the God of evil? He's the God of good. He's a good God. The devil is a bad devil, but God is a good God. And he wants to overwhelm you with his goodness, with his love. I think that's the thing that really got to the heart of Jesus, was here was a bunch of religious people that should have known I mean, they came out of the law. They had the patriarchs. They had everything behind them. To them, the covenant was given on Mount, uh, you know, on that mountaintop with Moses. They should have known. And what I think grieved Jesus was he was the living, walking personification of love and goodness. And here, they were more concerned about religious duties and religious obligations 
than allowing this man with the withered hand to encounter the love, the compassion of God. And this morning, I want you to surrender that withered part of your life, whatever it is. Maybe you say, you know what, Pastor, there's areas in my life where I've become religious. I've become like, you know what, cynical and judgmental, critical. And maybe there's parts of you that have been shut off to God. You know what, God in just a moment can deliver you from that religious spirit. I know we don't like to admit that we have religious spirits, but they come in very subtly. And usually one of the telltale signs of a religious spirit is we become critical and we're always pointing the faults of others. But actually, we have withered on the inside of us. But God can change that withered heart. God can change that withered relationship. Whatever it is, what is it that is withered in your life? Give it to God. Step forward and then stretch out. When you stretch out, you're exposing every part of yourself. You're making yourself vulnerable to God and to His Spirit and to His Word and to His presence. Some of us, we have no entry signs in parts of our lives. God, you're allowed in that area of my life, but in that area, oh, no. But you know, God wants all of you, all of you. And so right now, Father, I pray for every person that's been watching. Whatever part of their lives has withered, I thank you. Like this man, you're not just going to heal, but you're going to restore you're going to bring back to our original condition. God, hallelujah. I thank you for a remake. You are remaking us. You are reshaping us. You are doing something that's deep in our hearts, within the sphere of our hearts, God, where the true self is where the true persona is. I pray to do today. Touch hearts. Touch people's lives internally. Whatever has withered internally, I pray that there would come a, a healing and a restoration that the life of God begins to breathe afresh. That, Lord, from the inward, there's a flourishing that manifests on the outward in Jesus' name. And then, family, I want to pray for those of you that for, I don't know, whatever reason, maybe your heart is withered completely and now that relationship has been severed. But you know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of when Aaron um, had to bring in, the 12 tribes of Israel had to bring a dead, lifeless stick to see who it was that God had ordained to be part of the priesthood. And they took these dead, withered, dry sticks and put them in the ark. And whosoever rod, whosoever stick it was that budded, that was the sign that God had called them to partake of the priesthood. The amazing thing is that whatever, if your relationship with God has become like a dry, withered stick, lifeless, lifeless, communication cut off, like Aaron's rod that budded, God can cause once again the bud of, or the rod of your relationship to flourish one more time with God. It's supernatural. So how does it work? I don't know. It's not like you have to fill out the application form again, you know, and pay a subscription fee. 
Well, you, you once were a member of the Durban Country Club, but now you haven't paid and your subscription has lapsed and oh, and there's a waiting list. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom. Supernaturally, it's what we call being born again. And it takes all the power of the Holy Ghost to cause a man and a woman, a child, anyone, anyone, anyone to be born again. Not by religion. Not because you said five Hail Marys and a thousand hallelujahs and you jumped up and down and rolled five times on the ground. It's just a simple act of your faith. Confessing on the Lord Jesus Christ on what He did, dying on a cross and then being raised back to life by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what it's about. I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now. You ready? Say these words after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults and all of my withered self, right now I come to you. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. Right now I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. With my heart I believe and with my mouth I confess that you and you alone are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you for the life of God. Thank you for loving me, accepting me, embracing me. I'll never be the same from this moment onwards. I belong to you, and you belong to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, family. Thank you so much. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let us know. Just on the comments, say, I prayed the prayer, just so that we can come into agreement with you, all right? I do trust that you enjoyed uh, this part, too. We look forward to seeing you again. From all of us here, we love you. Until next time, bye-bye.